Welcome to the Designated Drinker Show, the podcast that's raising the bar on craft cocktails. I am your host, Louise Solace, and with me, my very, very talented friend, who is definitely a trick, but always a treat, the mixtress <laughs> DC Gina. <laughs> you know, I'll take it. I've been I've been tricking these streets for a long time, all right? <laughs> girls gotta get her way through the world. <laughs> I mean, some people say a girl's gotta eat, but you know, a girl's gotta mix too. There you go. So there, you go. there you go. All those tricks. <clears throat> so, Gina, let's clean it up a little bit. Louise. Our jack-o'-lanterns are carved, our ghosts are hung, and pumpkin spice is in the air. So you know what that means? Starbucks made a lot of money. <laughs> Always. <laughs> It's a perfect time of year to curl up on the couch and catch our favorite horror flick. Agreed? Yes. I always get Uh-oh. nervous. I hate, uh, I get so nervous watching them. I never know if I'm going to sleep again. Do you have a favorite movie, horror movie? Um, a favorite or most terrified of? Yes. I am terrified of Pet Cemetery to this day. Oh, that's hilarious. No, it's not. It's the, I don't know. I, I was a kid when I saw it in the movie theater. I'll never forget. I went with my friends. And right at the very end of this, the movie, like the last scene, the power went out because it was a thunderstorm. Oh, good Lord. And I, you had to like be escorted out and I lost my mind. <laughs> so to this day, I, 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 I don't even know how Pet Cemetery ends, to be honest with you. And I always like, I watch most of my horror movies like that. That's funny. With so your I'm, eyes covered. Yeah. So when my kids are like, can we? I'm like, no, don't ever watch a horror movie ever. That's funny. I can't watch The Exorcist to this day by myself. Yeah? Yeah, yes. that one scares But another one that really scares me. Actually, this one doesn't really scare me. It actually creeps me out. And the more I found out, it creeped me out even more. Do you remember Child's Play? Okay, AK, what if I say Chucky? Yes, that was okay. the name of the movie? The name, yeah, exactly. The name of the movie was Child's Play. There was a couple of them. Yeah. So I found out a little bit about Chucky, and this is where it starts to get really creepy. He's real? So, yes. Apparently, Chucky from Child's Play was inspired by real-life events. Yep, Chucky was real, but his name was Robert. Uh. In 1990, the author of Child's Play, Robert Eugene Otto or Otto probably, claimed that his family's servants placed a voodoo curse on his doll. I know. Full body chills, right? Yeah. And the name of the doll was Robert Robert the doll. So they named the doll after the boy. So that's kind of, yeah. And supposedly the doll would mysteriously move about the house, knock over furniture. And it's reported that he spoke to the real boy, Robert. They had conversations, apparently. Um, and I guess eventually, I, I can't imagine why they would wait this long, but eventually Robert the doll was stored, or what I'm probably guessing was locked up in the attic, until 1974, when then old man Robert died. The whole time, Robert the doll was up in the attic, apparently. So when he died, the new owners moved into the house, and what they find? Robert the doll. Well, I guess he didn't move on with the old man, I guess he's just stuck around the house because the family said they still experienced really creepy shit that they connected to the doll after they bought the home. I don't know why they kept the damn doll, but anyway. Why do they keep the doll? I don't know, because it was creepy. It yeah, has to be creepy shit. that's problem. If you're stupid enough to keep the fucking doll, <laughs> then, then your shit is all wrong to begin with. Yeah, yeah. They deserve to be haunted like, by this like, damn doll. Like, seriously, like, here's the deal. The doll's moving around your house. You take the fucking doll and, somewhere very far away, and you rip it to shreds. Yes. And if it comes back fully put together, 
Then you move. Yes. yes. Then you move. Give the house to the doll. So yeah. apparently it's still around. I should never read a horror movie. <laughs> It'd be ended in a second. It'd be like, shit's weird. Get the fuck out. Exactly. Don't go to the shed. If the uh, house tells you to leave, leave. <laughs> so apparently the doll is still in Florida because this is where this it was. It's in Key West and it's in. you can go see it's on display. No. <laughs> And I love Key West. Why are you ruining this for me? I'm just telling you, when you go, Chucky's there. He's waiting for you. No. <laughs> I hate, actually, I, I hate it. I hate everything you're saying, to be quite honest. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. Bring on our guests. I'm okay. Like, we're going to talk about it anymore. Okay. So all these spooky things. All this spooky talk brings me to today's designated drinker. He's a horror flick filmmaker, actor, producer, writer. Ba- basically, get this, he's the jack-o'-lantern of all trades. Oh, <laughs> he's oh Dan DeLuca. Welcome to the show, Dan. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Hi, Dan. <laughs> nice to be here. Thanks for joining us on the show. Jack-o'-lantern. I've been called jackass of all trades, but jack-o'-lantern. <laughs> <laughs> Tis a season. Tis a season. <laughs> Dan, I'm your target audience of who you creep out. I mean, if I like literally can't even talk about it, I'm like, oh my God. After listening to you two ladies, I, I think you need to watch my films. Okay. Uh, and right now, it's Halloween and uh, Hulu as one of their Huluweens has my film, The Night Watchman, um, which is a comedy horror. So it's not going to creep you out like Chucky. Okay. So I think you would love this. And I think your kids would love it, although it's a little bit rated R. Well, they, they're still little. So I have a six and seven year old. They're not ready. They are not <laughs> ready. The hell out of no. your kids. I also live in a house from 1767. So they're, they're already freaked out that we live there. Yeah, I bet. I bet. <laughs> out on a little farm. Yeah, there's yeah. nothing spooky about that. Yeah, Dan, you should come to my house. It's inspiring, I'm sure. Then you'd be like, this place is perfect scene for death. <laughs> <laughs> And then my kids will really be like, can we move? <laughs> so, Dan, I want to get into each and every one of your films, absolutely. But will you please tell us what drew you into acting and then eventually into filmmaking? This is, I, I got to know. Yeah, I mean, it's easy for me to, to look back. And my mom and dad were uh, did a lot of stage acting. Um, and I grew up over in Italy, and this was... Uh, um, back in the old country, and uh, they were constantly doing stage work. And Dad did a film while he was over there as well. Um, we had a movie studio up the street from our house that was actually owned by Sophia Loren's husband, um, Paolo Conti. And so it was always a curiosity. Um, yeah, they had like a Western village there, and then caves, and you know whatnot. It was a it was a a great thing for a kid. You know, it was an amusement park for a kid. And I always had this in me. Um, then I came stateside, went to university, uh, got my business degree and master's degree and, um, and then decided I hated all of it and moved up to New York and started studying acting because, uh, you know, at some point you realize, well, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? And certainly working in an office wasn't it. And, um, uh, I studied up in New York and then I started writing. And the reason I started writing was, you know, I felt like an actor, as an actor, you're just going knocking door to door, you're a door to door salesman. And I wanted to have a little bit more control over what I was doing. And so I started writing. And uh, that's, that's kind of started and led me the way here. Oh, that's cool. That's totally cool. My, you know, it's funny, we have something it's inspiring. in common. Yeah, exactly. We have, some, that, we have a little something in common. My uh, father, and it's funny, we, you know, Dan and I spoke couple of days ago, my father was a B actor um, in 
after World War II, he stayed in Italy. And he was in three movies himself. He was in Land of the Pharaohs, uh, where he played, my Mexican father played an Egyptian. And then he played uh, an African tug in two Tarzan movies with Lex Barker. In oh, Italy, oh, though. Awesome. They were all filmed in Italy. Oh, when you said a B yeah. actor, I thought that he like put a stinger on and like went around. And was like, <laughs> so I was like, God, there's so much work for bees these days. <laughs> Oh, come on. You're, not, you're not the only one that can think on their feet, you know? The swarm. Yeah. <laughs> I hate that term, A, A, B, C. I get it. I understand it, but, like, I hate classing um, actors because, like, you know, sometimes it's only as good as the writing, right? So True. Yeah. So and there you go. You know, my dad didn't do it for a career. He was trying to pay for art, pay for art school. So that's what he did well. No, it's yeah. cool. I'm just saying. Like, yeah, so... Like, yeah, I don't. I, I guess maybe it was it was good that he landed all those roles when he didn't even take it seriously. But yeah, so it's kind of cool. I have I have photo stills from Land of the Pharaohs, and uh, if I look hard enough, I might still be able to find the Tarzan stills too. So uh, anyway, cool. anyway, so Dan, um, so how old were you when you came to the U.S. Then I was eighteen. Came for university. And how long was it before you ended up in New York? How long did you wait to to find that side of yourself? Ah, geez. Uh, I had been stateside 15 years before I moved to New York. Oh, wow. So, yeah. That's great. I, it's always crazy uh, when you hear that. Like, people yeah. start off on this venture and then just realize there's something else they want to do and have, like, the audacity to go after it. That's awesome. I, I like to think of it as stupidity to go after it. And <laughs> <laughs> that's what happened with me, Why? certainly. <laughs> oh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a crazy road, but an interesting one. Yeah. I could see that. Like, you know, you just like, you're just gambling and you kind of look back yeah. and you're like, I have this, you know, set space, but something that had a greater calling. It is, it is maybe a little bit of ignorance or stupidity to your point to be able to be like, ignorance. screw it. I'm going to do it. Ignorance yeah. is the best thing to get you to your next level. Yeah. You can't know all the bad because yeah. you'll never do it. Absolutely. So you, Absolutely. Like that ignorance is bliss is is like real. Because <laughs> if you knew what you knew, you may not do it. <laughs> I own bars for Christ's sakes. No one would buy a bar if you knew all the shit you have to do. It, 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 this is what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> so Gina wants to know all about your films. Yeah, you I want to know. Tell, tell us yeah. about those. Okay, so I've done six feature films. And what I mean by done is produced, you know, written, uh, some I've directed, all of them I've acted in. Um, so I started off uh, doing a comedy film called Two Minute Heist uh, years ago. It was the first thing that I ever uh, wrote and directed. And um, it was, what, about 20, not 20, quite 20 years ago, but uh, uh, close to it. And uh, it's fun. It was a fun comedy, but it was, you know, learning by mistakes. You have uh, 32 different locations, 120 actors, and you're low budget. And that's when you realize, <laughs> yeah, that's not the right way to approach this. So I learned, you know, baptism by fire. Um, and then I did a film that was actually shot on, on, uh, on film. It was shot on 35 millimeter with uh, Tracy Lords, Frank Whaley, Gabrielle Anwar, um, and uh, a couple of other sort of name actors. Um, and, uh, that was called crazy eights, which was, uh, yeah, not, not the, uh, the, the best film once it got edited. Um, and that anyway, the next film came after that was, um, uh, the night watchman, which is now on Hulu. That's cool. Um, 
Yeah, that, that film Chris Eights got me onto The Wire, um, the show The Wire, um, because Tracy Lords uh, was basically friends with the casting director, Pat Moran. And she said, hey, you got to see this guy. And then she called me in. So I got to audition for The Wire. And then I ended up being on The Wire for a season. What was your character on The Wire? I was Dr. David Parenti. I was in the schools. And so uh, basically when Bunny uh, gets fired for setting up Hamsterdam, the, you know, the drug area, the kind of cop free zone, he gets fired for that. Yeah. And so I hired him to work with me and we're just, uh, I'm a university professor and uh, I'm trying, I'm studying, you know, why do these kids go bad? And um, so that's, you know, how he ends up with me and uh, um, kind of shows me the ropes. So it was a wonder, wonderful, wonderful job. That's so cool. Uh, yeah, it's uh, uh, wonderful. I, I feel very lucky to do all the things I've been able to do. So did you ever have to go to the slammer? No, I, 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 I did. I went, like my first episode, I go in to interview this 18-year-old kid. And uh, he uh, basically tries to stab me with my own pen. Oh, so uh, that was the only time I was in, in the slammer. After that, I avoided it. <laughs> um, delightful but, day yeah. on set. <laughs> it is yeah. delightful. So uh, one day, my business partner, um, Ken, calls me up. He's a buddy of mine, Ken, and Ken Arnold. He's also local DMV actor, um, does a, quite a bit of work, a lot of stuff. And uh, he calls me up at like 2 o'clock in the morning. He's had one too many. And uh, he, he goes... Like, well, first, why are you calling me up at two in the morning? He goes, yeah, because we got to film something in the studio. So he had the studio at the old broom factory in Baltimore. And I said, OK, well, uh, you know, give me a couple of weeks. I'll come up with kind of a script and, you know, we'll go from there. So the, the whole point and this is, you know, I I don't deny this at all. The whole point of me writing a lot of these films is to hang out with my buddies. <laughs> Hey, Dan, that's why I started this show. So I can hang out with Gina and then she makes me cocktails to boot. <laughs> it's a trick. My buddies just give me trouble. I cost that's you money. That's right. She gets me in trouble. Does that count? <laughs> so I come up with this idea um, for uh, the Night Watchmen. And it's basically three loser Night Watchmen that work in this old, basically, a newspaper, but it's it's more of like one of those tabloid papers. It's a tabloid paper. So they work there at night. They get a delivery one night. The guy messes up, brings this delivery. It's a coffin. It should have gone to Johns Hopkins. Oh. Ends up, you know, at our place in Baltimore. And it's a vampire, but it's oh. the renowned clown Blimpo the vampire. Blimpo the clown who becomes a vampire because he came from a roommate. There's a whole backstory too. So anyway, we're fighting crazy clowns, bloodthirsty clowns. Through this movie. See, that, that's second scary to dolls, which I left out my script was I wrote that do clowns are the second scariest thing. I can <laughs> I can watch this because you said it's a comical a bit, right? You said it's it fun, straight right? up comedy. Okay, <laughs> I can handle it that. Is, I just can't handle like the yeah. Straight up comedy, yeah. Okay, <laughs> all right. I, I have a day with the Night Watchmen. Yes, and you can find it, you know, pretty much everywhere except for Netflix. So you can find it on Hulu and, and Amazon and, you know, anywhere else out there. So we we uh, worked uh, with that film. We worked with uh, Richard Pryor's daughter, Rain Pryor, who we became friends with on, on that set. Um, also, uh, Matt Servito from The Sopranos. Um, he plays Detective Harris in The Sopranos, and he's in Banshee. 
Uh, now he's on Billions. I love all those shows. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, um, eventually after that film, it, it, it won like 27 film awards and whatnot. And so oh, it did wow. pretty well. And we thought, hmm, maybe we should stick to this genre. <laughs> so here we go sticking to the horror genre. So we came up with um, another, uh, Ken, actually. Ken is usually the, the idea man. And Ken comes up with another idea. Well, let's um, try and do a low budget film because, you know, we're, we're business people at the same time. So we want to get our investors their money back. So let's keep these things as low budget with high production value. And that's why we, we do multiple jobs. And that's why I'm not just the actor. Well, I'm the actor and I'm the writer, uh, producer, because I'm cheap. That's, that's why <laughs> Ken's cheap. <laughs> you know, we can do multiple jobs without having to pay other people. Um, and that's how we ended up there. And so anyway, our next film, which is being released now, it's, it, we just signed a deal with Bloodhouse Pictures um, for distribution. But um, our film won the Garden State Film Festival. It's called The Comedy of Horrors, Volume 1. And it's an anthology of horror films, uh, kind of like Creepshow, but actually funny. So these yeah. things are actually funny and scary <laughs> and, and not just uh, the Creepshow kind of stuff. So um, we got to work with some great people on that film as well. So Matt comes along with us as a partner. So now it's me, Ken, and Matt. And uh, we produce these, uh, this film. Um, let's see who's in that film. You ever see that Skittles commercial with the Skittle Pox kid? Yes. Yeah. It's just, it's That's contagious. a brilliant so he, spot. Jimmy's, yeah, he's in it. Uh, Jimmy Bellinger. Um, he was also on Live and Maddie. But he's a local DMV guy who lives in L.A. And, uh, you know, we knew him before he was big. So he comes back and helps us out. And, and, and then again, the same cast of characters. Um, again, Rain Pryor's in it. My buddies, you know, so um, we, we get the crew back together. So that film is showing Halloween um, at uh, Freak Show Fest in Orlando. Oh, cool. Uh, so it's the 29th, 30th and 31st. Uh, and it's also showing um, at the HorrorCon Festival in New Jersey. Um, and that is November 13th, 14th, and 15th, I think. So it's going. Now it's that's moving. So after we finish that, COVID hits. We finish Comedy of Horrors, COVID hits. And it's like, oh, crap. Everything shuts down, right? And so I take the opportunity, again, based off of one of Ken's ideas. He's like, we should do a horror western. Oh, my God. And I said, that okay. Amazing. And I kept thinking about this. And uh, so I come up with this, this story called A Town Called Purgatory. And it's called Purgatory because I just love the name. I think it's cool. There's a, there's a town in, in Denver or outside of Denver. It's a little old town called Purgatory. And, uh, but it's not that town. So we, sh we shoot this. Uh, I mean, we put together this script, do a reading of it. And everybody's like, hey, this is actually, you know, something we could do on the cheap. Um, somehow we ended up meeting a producer uh, in uh, Los Angeles a couple of years back uh, who we kept in contact with. And Matt had told him about the script and he said, hey, I have a Western town 20 minutes from my studio. Um, and we had been looking to work with this guy and we're like, oh, that's perfect. The one catch, his studio is in Austria. So, oh, like, okay. So you got a Western town in Austria. It's kind of like a Disneyland thing. And, and the Germans and Austrians are very kind of, they love the old West stuff. 
And so Matt goes over there with Ken. They fly over there and they look at this place and they're like, this is perfect. I mean, this is a fantastic town. It's it's a great looking Western town. Is it like Westworld of Austria then? <laughs> kind of like this yes, Disney they, Western they, world? <laughs> it was this Disney Western world and it was shut down. So maybe that's what happened. Maybe the robots just kind of went out of control and killed everybody. <laughs> but it, it had been shut down for like 11 years or something like that. Um, so... Every little boy's dream is to become a cowboy, right? And so I got to play a cowboy for a month. That's funny. <laughs> in Austria. <laughs> and uh, we shot this film over there. And, and that film was just um, in the edits now. We did do a little trailer for it. And, uh, you know, it's uh, on Facebook. Um, you can just search for a town called Purgatory. And, what? And the trailer will pop a up. A town called Purgatory. That's pretty town good. And but that is a straight up horror. Unlike the last two films, this is a straight up horror film. Um, I need to warm up. I need to warm up for it. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do yeah. it for you, Dan. Start but with, I gotta start warm with it up. Watchmen, and then like That's all right. the lights on. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Go to a comedy of horrors. For our listeners, I've already talked to Dan. I'm gonna get some. Uh, he's gonna give me some clips that we can uh, tie into everything that we put oh, out. Fine. So our listeners will yeah, have it really yeah, easy. Fine. Just go, go to the website. Doesn't need drinker show, and we'll have some links there. But then also in our episode notes, like always, make sure that they're there. So that way, when you get um, horror curious or Comedy horror curious. They're right there. Oh, you know what we can like do that? since Dan owns the film? You could come to um, Last Call and we could play it on the TVs and have a private show for your friends. Oh, that'd be fun. Absolutely. Yeah, you could do that. Yeah. That would be fun. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah I own a dive bar in DC, Dan. So Which bar is it? It's a Last Call bar. Last Call bar. So, um, so it's, yeah, Last Call. I mean, could you get any easier? Like, yeah. Where do you want to go for Last Call? <laughs> Obviously, Last Call bar. Yeah. Um, it's kind of dark. It's, it's very dark sketchy. and eerie and sketchy. Yeah, but not sketchy. It's but I mean, eerie. Like, eerie, but yeah. But um, it's cool and it, and it's, it's uh, hipster sketchy. Come and on, it's let's fun. Be but listen, I love. Can I just say this? I love the fact that the movies where movie sets like show up. Yeah. Um, I I grew up in Long Island, oh so I'm God. always like you know people did so much on location everywhere in New York and everywhere. Yeah. So, like, you know, you're kind of used to, like, people showing up and shooting, you know, films or something. And I, and I live in D.C. And I lived in D.C. So, right now, like, half the city's shut down for, like, some on-location movie. It was this weekend. was terrible driving around for it. Yeah, I'm in that film, actually. Oh, really? So, it's all your fault that she couldn't drive around? Is that what you're saying? I saw, I saw the trailers. I'm like, here we go. Here we go. It's all dance ball. Yeah. He's such so, an asshole. No. <laughs> but I find it like, I find it cool, like how people come up with it. <laughs> yeah. I think it's cool. I think it's cool how they, they do it. You know what I mean? Like how some is real and then some is on location and then some is on this amazing set somewhere else in the world. Did you know that Escape from New York, because I'm dating my, myself, Escape from New York was filmed in St. Louis, where I grew up. Really? Yeah, down because it looks like I such a shithole. It would look like New York after the apocalypse. <laughs> there, well, there you go. I actually have something in common with both of you. Uh-oh. Um, so I have a lot of relatives that live in New York. Uh, Hop Hogs, uh, Smithtown, Ronkonkoma. Uh, so I've been out there in your neck of the woods. Uh, my sister's in Wisconsin. Yeah. And uh, I actually went to school south of St. Louis. Um, when I went to undergrad, I went to Cape Girardeau. Um, oh, good Lord, really? Southeast Missouri State. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you so did. so we would go up to yeah. St. Louis. Uh, we'd go up there all the time for games. 
you know, yeah. for a ball game. In games. the old Bush Stadium then. Yeah, yeah. The original. Small world. That's so funny. Let's have a drink. Yeah, let's have a drink Do on you that. mind, Dan? Can we have a cocktail? We're going to have a cocktail. Yeah, let's do it. Um, so I was reading everything about you and being inspired by, um, you know, you know what you like and all of that. And I came up with a very, very simple classic martini because I don't think there's anything more uh, film-centric than the martini. You know what I mean? Like, it's in every... Agreed. It's like in so classic. many movies. It's classic. It's... You know, people, the way that they serve it, or it's always a scene where the bartender's making the martini. So, you know, I, I mean, we could have put a horror twist on this and we could have like put blood in it, but that would have been weird. Um, <laughs> I should have really you thought cut about your, it. If you cut your finger while you're at it, then you'll have that. I know, right? Oh, let me just grab some vermouth. So classic martini, right? This is, this is, I always say martini's personal. You know, you have to love the gin. You have to love the vermouth, and if you have love both those things, then your martini is always perfect for you. So if you follow the recipe, and I hate to wave the vermouth over the top, right? Just get a good vermouth, and you put it in, and you put it in with your gin. So we're gonna use uh, Rieger's gin, and any gin is great. Mm -hmm. And I think a really classic gin to use in any martini, though, is Beef Eater, and like legit, it's not expensive. It's just good London Dry gin. Yeah, it's actually my favorite in a martini. Right, um, how much? How much am I pouring in here? We're gonna do two how ounces. How much gin? Two ounces of two gin. Ounces oh, of I like gin. your jigger. <laughs> I like it. And then we're gonna use one ounce of vermouth. And if you wanted to, um, another way you could make your uh, martinis is to do half an ounce of sweet, half an ounce of dry for a perfect martini. But this one is specific because I love salty things and all the things. So Is we're that gonna, why you hang out with me? Yes, I do hang out with you for that reason. <laughs> so we're gonna so we're gonna pour this into our glass and we have our um our martini glasses chilling already, but I wanted to talk we're gonna so this drink is a stuffed um olive drink. Yum. So I'm starting off with the classic Italian olives. Um they do not have pimentos in them and uh, I really do love them. And they come like this so they're already like pitted and I'm gonna add a little bit of oregano, goat cheese, and you could use a nice ash goat cheese, really simple. And you could also use, um, you know, really anything that you like. I mean, blue cheese, I feel like everyone's done. It's a little, it can be a little bit harsh sometimes, but you know, it's kind of up to you. So we have a little bit of oregano from Louise's garden. What's more Italian than that, right? Nothing. And then nice. we're gonna add a little, and to mine, we're gonna add a little bit of lemon zest. And because this is seasonal, we're going to add a little bit of cinnamon. And as much as that sounds really silly, um, Italians in general, especially when my father's from in um, Trieste, which is northern Italy, almost Croatia, we use a lot of cinnamon in your food. So we're going to add that little bit of oregano and cinnamon into our goat cheese. The word for cinnamon in Italian is cannella. Yeah, cannella. Oh, yes. And that's then pretty. Cannella. Yes. <laughs> And it's um it's it's the same in um in Spanish too, isn't it? Or canale, canale. Close. Yeah, it's the same. So you're gonna mix this up a little bit the way you want, and you can add a little bit more salt to it if you're like you know into the salt. And then any extra of this, you could definitely serve with crackers or cheese, or um, if you're feeling um, really crazy, you can make some stuffed pasta or something like that. But um, so we're gonna give this a little bit of a slit on one side. And again, if you're missing anything I'm saying, don't worry. It'll be at designateddrinker.show for the tips, tricks, and how-tos. 
Um, so don't rush, but you want to kind of like do it. So you're looking at it. So it's like overstuffed and it's really a bite in your drink. And, um, this is a fat kid delight because now you have cheese inside your martini <laughs> and you're like, Oh, you don't actually have to have dinner. So it's just a way to have dinner. If you're um, boozy like myself and I did not say bougie, I said boozy. <laughs> Because there's a difference. <laughs> if there's a difference, if you're bougie, then you have somebody do this for you. Anyway. I was like, is that why you, it's right. really hard to find at bars, cheese stuff? Because it's not. Um, the reason why it's hard to find cheese stuffed olives in bars is so, so simple. It's crazy. You either have a run on it one night where someone's going to order so many of them. And then otherwise, like a lot of times, it just sits there and then you throw it out. Oh, gotcha. So it's a cost issue, really. I like it. I I will make it at my bars for anybody. Um, All right. So now you have your your stuffed olives and we have not stirred our cocktail yet. So we're going to do a little trick here. We're going to take our ice. We're going to pour it into our stirring um, glass. And now do you need to have a perfect serving glass? You do not. You just need to have a glass that you can pour ice in and your drink and you're going to stir it. And you know what I just realized, Louise? I only made one drink. So I'll make another one after we, I'll make one for you. Okay. Um, so one thing that I have to say that I don't love, and I'm going to teach you a trick is when you're making these kind of cocktails, and you go to a bar, people just drop them directly in, and I feel like that's a mistake. You kind of want to like see if you can balance it a little bit on the outside of the cup. That way, that when that when you're a guest or your friends are over, they can choose when to put it in. So if you don't have like good balancing skills or any of those things, you can um, literally just put it on the side on a plate and be like, "Oh, look, I plated this for you," and let them experience the drink as they're ready. <laughs> Yeah, there's always, there's always a way to fake it. Not even just in the movies. So we're going to put that on. And it should balance. Or I'm a terrible bartender. Voila, it balanced. And just because you have all this beautiful oregano, we'll just give it a little, we'll give it a little swoosh. So all of the people that I've learned cocktails from will be very proud of me right now. All right. So this is, um, what, this is Halloween to me, everybody. So cheers. There we go. Salute. Cheers. Cheers. Salute. That's for you. I'll make another drink for myself because, you know, I'm not an animal. No animale. (laughs) You know, I got to have a drink. Oh, it's so good. So good. So, Gina, how do you pick the vermouth? How do you know when sweet or dry? So, again, it's personal, right? So, like, if this was um, summertime, I probably would have used sweet vermouth and a little bit of lemon zest by itself and been like okay that's great i like to seasonally i like to seasonally kind of just do um the drinks right and it's personal like martinis are personal and they are they're an affectionate drink and they're made with love and that's why when you get a bar it's like you could tell a bartender that loves to make martinis and that one that will tolerate it because the drink is just all about the finesse it's nothing insane and when you make a, and I think that a martini is such a nice love letter. So when you make it for your um, partner or for um, somebody you're wooing, it's all about the the ritual of it. It's pouring it in and making the drink and stirring it, much like filmmaking, right? There's a formula to filmmaking, correct, Dan? Absolutely. But it's the way, but there's a way that a producer and a filmmaker and an editor finesses it that makes it better. Because it, it looks like chaos when it's in separate pieces, but once it's together, 
you know, that's when the magic happens. Is it because it is chaos? Yes. I, you know, <laughs> yeah, you, you start chugging gin. That's chaotic. I always tell people, you know, making a film is controlled chaos. It's uh, something will go wrong. It always does. And, you know, just uh, be prepared for the inevitable. We had two earthquakes on the last film. So, oh, uh, nobody was expecting that. Holy cow. You know, it's funny. Is, um, so in my past life as creative director, I um, have been on many sets. And oddly enough, multiple times in Texas, every time we have filmed, I've filmed in Texas, we've had a tornado. Yeah. Every single time. There's one. It's just the craziest thing that um, of all the things we have uh, a tornado and it, was, it's, <laughs> it, it goes without fail. I end up in Kansas. Ha ha ha. <laughs> but no. <laughs> I'm okay with that. So, Gina, we got to do a little housekeeping. Yeah. Where are they going to go? They're going to go to designateddrinker.show, and you're going to get your tips, tricks, how-tos, how to find dance films, links to them, hopefully some trailers, and maybe um, a fun night with Dan at Last Call someday. That would be wonderful. Right? <laughs> Let's do that. That would be great. And we'll meet in person, like real people, yeah. like like social people, <laughs> people that <laughs> chat with one another. So, Dan, we have a final question for you. Certainly. And that's how we know that if you listened to the show or did your homework or if someone gave you some notes. None of the above. <laughs> so in this day and age, you know, everybody identifies themselves with some um, spirit, animal, or creature. And um, you might identify yourself with, you know, a deathly moth. And you're like, oh, it represents death. And I'm totally into it. And, I, <laughs> and that's just like who I am. But if you can describe yourself in one spirited ingredient whether it's for food or drink, what would that ingredient be and why? Uh, you know, I have, uh, because we are Italian, I have uh, uh, an affinity towards tomatoes and tomato sauces. And uh, for some reason, like when I eat a tomato, I feel like I, I'm uh, eating energy. I know it sounds stupid, but I'll, I'll pop a tomato and it's like, oh my God, it's like vitamins for my body's just soaking this thing up. Uh, maybe it's genetic memory uh, or, or just, you know, some psychosis I have. Um, but uh, <laughs> the ingredient would be tomatoes. I love it. And whether you make a mixed love drink it. out of it, you know, you can uh, obviously you can um, make drinks with tomatoes, juice and, uh, and sauces and uh, ketchup if that's your thing. But uh, <laughs> that's my ingredient. Which could be blood. <laughs> I Dan, on that note... I love it. And you know what? I have seen a horror movie. I love it. I saw a cat. I saw Attack of the Killer Tomatoes once. There you go. Oh, there you oh, perfect ending. <laughs> can even kill people with tomatoes. You can even <laughs> murder people with tomatoes. I love it. Dan, it was a pleasure. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much, Dan. Cheers. Cheers. The Designated Drinker Show is produced by Missing Link, a podcast media company that is dedicated to connecting people to intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Also in the Missing Link lineup of podcasts is Roger That, a podcast dedicated to guiding you through the haze of dementia, led by skilled caregivers Bobby and Mike Carducci. Now, if you're looking for a whole new way to enjoy the theater, check out Between Acts, an immersive audio theater podcast experience. Each episode takes you on a spellbinding journey through the works of newfound playwrights, from dramas to comedies and everything in between. Find Missing Link's League of Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts.
please don't forget to subscribe, download, and review the shows. Your review helps our shows reach new audiences. To find out more about Missing Link, visit missinglink.company. That's missinglink.company.